Hello, and welcome to the third episode of Stocks and Sports. In the stocks section, we'll do an overview of the past week in the stock market. The section will end off with a fan favorite, Thunder Round. For the sports section, we'll do an overview of Friday Night Football's game. Then, we'll talk more about fantasy football as the finals are on the line. I will make predictions on the NBA playoffs and the college football playoffs, and my predicted champions might surprise you. The section will end off with the hurricane round. To finish the episode, I will share my stock and player of the week. Before we get deep down into business, I would like to share some exciting news. In one of our thunder rounds, someone called and asked about Salesforce, and I said to buy, buy, buy. And in the real lightning round, or what, or the namesake of the thunder round, someone asked about Salesforce, and my man Jim Kramer said buy, buy, buy. So so far, we're one for one based on what Jim Kramer says. After briefly being out of business, let's get back into business. So let's start with how the averages performed. It was a pretty overall, it was a pretty mixed market. Let's start with the S&P 500. Uh, the S&P 500 ended up actually going down 0.32%, while the NASDAQ went up 0.27%, and the Dow dropped 0.21%. To me, it doesn't really matter how the markets do, but it matters why. So let's look at the main reasons behind some bullish days in the stock market. Uh, well, main reason why is that the jobless claims improved, which is great for the economy. Although it wasn't as big as invest as in- investors and people wanted, a nine billion dollar stimulus deal finally got passed. The main reason behind a bearish market was that a new strain of the coronavirus was found in the UK. Also, a cyber attack that people believe is from the Russians is taking place. Although a stimulus deal did cause some bullish trading, people were a little disappointed in how each person would only receive $600, calling a bearish market to come back. For me, it's always fun to see how much stocks can go up and down. So now let's look at this week's biggest movers. Now that does not mean the biggest movers, because there's always that one $10 million company end up going 1,000%. But let's look at companies that people actually might know and are at big valuations. So uh, one I like to look at is Peloton, which ended up going up 18.18%, Alibaba, which dropped 15.33%, Moderna, which plummeted 11.26%, and CrowdStrike, that soared 10.85%. Even though it might be fun to see all these companies going up big amounts or dropping big amounts, it's always interesting for me to look at why. So let's talk. Let's start with Peloton. Well, last week I talked about Peloton as a big mover and how I would buy it. Well, one week later it's back up on that list. It was on an eight to nine day street of going up until on Thursday it dropped like 0.2 or 0.2 percent. Almost all of that 18.18 percent gain was on Monday afternoon when they announced that they had brought peak pre-core which made big gains come on Tuesday. Now, before I talk more about the deal pre core, I will look the same. It was a $400 million deal, which caused the company to go up $5 billion. For me, that's always really interesting to see how small or small movements in the company or a, or a $400 million deal causing $5 billion is for me, it's always really interesting. 
Um, also, they announced they would use this as storage room, which is great for the demand, as customers are complaining about packages not arriving on time. For Alibaba, it was a pretty even week until on Thursday, it dropped big time. In fact, when I was making the outline for this podcast on Wednesday, I had Alibaba as my stock of the week, but now it could potentially be delisted. At, so I picked another so I picked another company. Either way, the main reason why it plummeted just over 13% on Tuesday was that the Chinese hit the now $600 billion company with an antitrust monopoly probe. Alibaba had been hit by antitrust lawsuits before, but founder Jack Ma had never dealt with a lawsuit this big before. Some competitors, including Pindodo, surged because if Alibaba gets delisted and all the positive Chinese e-commerce news will all point towards a bullish Pindodo. For Moderna, they also dropped big time. Just over five, just over five percent of the eleven point two six percent drop came on Thursday, and just around nine percent of the plunge came on Tuesday. The main reason behind these drops was because of the new coronavirus strain. Most people might think that this was good for Moderna, and so did I. But even though people think that that their vaccine will work against the strain, there have to be more testing. And if this strain gets worse and the vaccine can't stop it, or they don't know if it can. That most people might not want to take the Moderna vaccine. Lastly, CrowdStrike had a great 10.85% gain, as I said before. When I heard the news about the cyber attack, I thought CrowdStrike would get crushed to pieces. It took me a few minutes to really look through the news and see that CrowdStrike stock was up. I had realized that if these attacks get bad, then the government would want to put more money in these cybersecurity companies like CrowdStrike, which urged investors to buy this $48 billion company. A lot of people that listen to this podcast probably listen to it to see if they should buy or sell a stock. So that's exactly what I'm doing for these big movers. Start with Peloton. Last week when I commented on Bitcoin, I said that I don't like stocks when they're really expensive. When it comes to Peloton, I'll have to make an exception. The only thing holding me back for making this my stock of the week is the fact that they're so far back on demand. If there are 200 customers, only 50 bikes, then that company has a problem. It is the same thing with Peloton, except that the numbers are a lot bigger. With an acquisition of Precore and with all of the new storage place, Peloton will be able to have 200 bikes for 200 customers and have to send the orders on time. Now, remember, again, it's with a lot big number. They do not have 200 bikes. They have about probably a million, I don't know, a bigger number than 200. So I would say to buy Peloton. For Alibaba, it is complicated. If they get delisted, then they honestly don't know what happens to your money. If they get delisted, then of course you would want to sell to stay away from that uh, from them. And if they don't, then it's a buy and a big buy. I see Alibaba having the same market cap as Anna does in, as Amazon does in a few years, which is one point five nine trillion dollars, which would be a huge multiplier from Alibaba's market cap of six hundred billion dollars. First, you have to figure out if they will get delisted. I personally don't think so, and I'll walk you through why. Alibaba is pretty much the Amazon in China, or known as the Amazon China. We can use Amazon as our example, a better known company. If they were to if they were to delist Amazon, then the stock market would change forever. Amazon is one of the big companies that power the S and P 500 higher and higher. So without them, the S and P 500 won't be able to move much. Most young investors will decide if they want to invest big bucks based on how the major averages are performing. The, or how the main averages are performing, and the main one is the S&P 500. 
without Amazon, the S&P 500 would, wouldn't be as bullish and it might not be as attracting. That can cause huge damage to the stock market itself. Also, when you invest a lot of money, uh, when you invest a lot of money, people, their first stock will go to Amazon, it being the most popular company. So if you sub out the word Amazon, um, Amazon and put in Alibaba for every time I said Amazon, and sub out the words S&P 500 for whatever average Alibaba is, you could see how delisting Alibaba could cause huge damage. That is why, that is just a theory though, so I can't be sure. Right now, I would buy Alibaba, especially at this low price, but it couldn't end up badly, especially if they get delisted. For Moderna, I have to think twice. Even though as even though as of now, they have the most efficient vaccine at 95%, I think that more and more companies are gonna find vaccines and there won't be enough customers for, and there won't be enough customers for them to make money. For example, other people, uh, Companies are making vaccine are called Eli Lilly and Johnson Johnson. I think this pandemic could boost them with the vaccine, but if the vaccine doesn't stop the strain, then Moderna could be in trouble. If you own it, I would say to hold on. If you don't own it, and if you don't own it, I would pass. But as I said before with Alibaba, you have to decide if you think the vaccine will work against the strain. I think that it will, but the rest of the vaccines probably will as well, or probably will. So now they are pretty much in the same position as before. Lastly, for CrowdStrike, I think that I might I might not be the biggest fan. Even though with this whole cyber attack that has boosted their stock, I think this could be one of the last attacks. The main reason why CrowdStrike went up on this news is because the government is giving them money, which is good for investors. But as tech but as tech gets better and better, they will be able to stop these attacks before the government has to give them extra money. For the short term, I would say to hold uh, to hold on this company, if you own it, buy it. But if you don't own, but I would not own it for the long term, because for the long term, as I said, tech could get better and better. But for the short term, well, tech needs to take a lot of time to improve. It is time for the thunder round. So let's get started with Siri in Arkansas. Siri. Hi, Evan. What do you think about Datadog stock ticker DDOG? It is currently trading at $106.28. Thanks. Yeah, I can tell you I really like Datadog. Uh, you, you've been making some. Uh, here's what I think about Datadog. More people are going to want to have more analytics and more monitoring as technology becomes more advanced, which is what Datadog does. So, of course, they're going to go to Datadog. I would say buy this, and especially for the long term, you can make some money. Uh, so that means if you own it, I'd say either hold it or buy more. And if you don't own it, and then I'd say all aboard. But I really like Datadog overall, and especially for the long term. Now let's go to Siri in Mexico. Siri. Gracias por atender mi llamada, Evan. ¿Qué opinas sobre las acciones de McDonald's ticker MCD? Actualmente se cotiza $211.39. dólares y centavos. Gracias. Oh, I feel like this happens every week. Can you repeat this in English? No response. Okay, then can we have Siri in New York translate this for us at our translating center? Thanks for taking my call, Evan. What do you think about McDonald's stock ticker MCD? It is currently trading at $211.39. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Siri McDon or Siri in New York for training this uh, for translating McDonald's. Yeah, we, here's what I like about McDonald's. You see, 
You think that comments like Beyond Meat will take them down, and then you and then they strike a deal with Beyond Meat. Um, if you want to buy it, buy it. If you're not thinking about buying it, don't buy it. I would recommend the stock of the week, and that means if you like really want to buy it, then sure you can buy it. But I recommend it. Maybe if you're not thinking about buying it, or just maybe just barely thinking, I'll get awake. I honestly think that this could end as a, end up as a train wreck. <laughs> But if, but it's possible that they could end up well. So I would say that if you want to buy, you could buy it just in case. So if they end up going up ten times, I don't get paid full blame for people that really want to buy it. But I'd not let the knowledge go to Siri in Oregon. Siri. Hi. What do you think about room stock ticker VRM? Both Truist and Jeffrey said that they like this company. I am thinking about buying it. It is currently trading at forty-two dollars and eighty-nine cents. Thanks. Yeah, Vroom. So, um, here's the thing about Vroom. I like the space, but I like Carvana more, which is in the which is in the same sector. For those that do not know, their Vroom and Carvana are both companies that uh that they um where you can buy cars online. So, and interesting about Carvana, Jeffries and Truist also said that they like Carvana. They're going faster and fast. They're going faster, and also they bought more cars than they sold. I mean, they won't have any delays like Peloton did, meaning that they have tons of demand. Meaning that if there's so many more customers, then they can then they can give the customers the cars, and instead of having to delay the shipping, which can cause horrible earnings calls and stuff like that. So, if you think about buying Vroom, I would say buy Carvana. If you own Vroom, I would say maybe sell forty percent of it and use that forty percent to buy Carvana. Or if you like really, or if you notice, or if you think that I'm an accurate analyst, then I'd say sell all of Room and buy Carvana. Now let's go to Siri in. Where are you, Siri? Oh, Siri in Italy again. Siri. What do you think about Simon Property Group ticker SPG? It is currently trading at twenty-four dollars and thirty-seven centesimi. Wait, did you say uh, Simon Property Group ticker SPG trading at eighty four dollars and thirty seven cents? Yes. Okay, thank you. Well, here's about Simon Property Group. This, as I said um, about Cinemark on Monday, there's some things in the world that I think are just over, and I think that malls is one of them. So I would get out of your portfolio. <laughs> I said last week about Cinemark. I said ten years from now, people are gonna be thinking, "Wait, you to go to movie theater?" I think that the um, I think that people are thinking the same thing. Um, e-commerce is taking over, uh, and honestly, this might be worse than last week's Cinemark. With technology and e-commerce taking over, these areas are getting crushed right now, and I think that they continue to be, and that could also cause problems for stuff. Uh, places like maybe like Lego stores or kind of like that, where the main place where they sell it are malls. It's here from oh wow in China, Siri from China. Wow. Hi. What do you think about Subbank stock ticker SFPBY trading at thirty-seven point two cents? Uh, did you say Subbank stock ticker SFTBY, which is trading at thirty-seven dollars and twenty-five cents? Yes. Okay, great. Well, uh, I love SoftBank, and announcing that they're gonna go private, you've definitely been making some. I really like this company. Uh, as 
I said before, I really like some of these sectors where they only focus on just the zoom or the kind of like zoom for those that know their cell phones, kind of like a zoom. Um, also, I like comedy in China because they have a very strong comedy right now. And as I said before, they only focus on communication service, SoftBank does. And unlike other companies, which would, like as I said before, Microsoft with Microsoft Meet or Microsoft Teams, Google with Google Meets. Um, so if I had to rate them, I would go with Ring Center 1, Zoom, and SoftBank tied at second. But all, but also SoftBank and Ring Central have both been soaring lately. Ring Central the most. Zoom's the best price, but I'm not a big fan of what Zoom said about the game, the whole email. I think it was calendar, something about calendar. So that might not be my favorite thing. But if you're looking for like a good price company, Zoom would be the one. So Zoom is for sale, and that's the conclusion of the Thunder Round. And we are back. The stock section's over, and now we're on to sports. On Friday, the Saints took on the Vikings, and after losing two straight weeks against the Eagles and the Chiefs, they finally won, scoring 52 points in a blowout game. Although the Vikings hung on in there until the end, the Saints crushed them. So let's look at the leading fantasy scorers. There were a lot of good fantasy players, but we all just go to the top five overall players. For number five, we'll have Dalvin Cook, the Vikings running back, who scored 16.5 fantasy points. And number four, a player who had a great performance, Irv Smith Jr. The tight end and, imp and impressed me was getting 23.3 fantasy points. For the third to best fantasy score for the game, we have quarterback Kirk Cousins. Even though his team lost, he had the most points out of any of the quarterbacks that played by getting 23.64 fantasy points. And number two, we will have my guy, who has been struggling lately, Adam Thielen. He didn't surprise me with getting a he did not surprise me with getting a touchdown, but he did surprise me by giving me a whopping 23.7 fantasy points. Boom! And as the number one fantasy scorer in the Christmas special game, we have Alvin Kamara. Playing against a defense that struggled against my David Montgomery last week, the Vikings gave up an incredible six touchdowns to AK-41. He ended up having an impressive 56.2 fantasy points. Now, let's go through the game's biggest booms and biggest busts. It is hard to list them in order because some players have different projections, so I will just list them out in no specific order. For Boom, I definitely to talk about Irv Smith Jr., Projected to just have 6.8 fantasy points, he ended up getting 23.3 fantasy points, as I said before. That is just under four times more. Another boom would be Kirk Cousins. Projected to just have 14.9 fantasy points, he ended up getting 23.64 fantasy points, as I mentioned before. I still don't know why a QB as talented as Cousins was projected only 14.9 fantasy points. Another boom, of course, was AK-41, or Alvin Kamara. With a projection as high as 24.6 fantasy points, it is very impressive that he boomed, and boomed by scoring six touchdowns, giving him 36 of his 56.2 fantasy points, as I talked about before. Also, my guy Adam Thielen also boomed with his 23.7 fantasy points that he got after only being projected at 15 fantasy points. There weren't a lot of busts in the game, but I'm looking at 
but a, but a guy who I'm looking at is Dalvin Cook. Even though he made my list of my of top five fantasy performers, he was projected to have he was projected to have twenty one point and a half fantasy points, and to get sixteen and a half fantasy points, bust. It honestly did not surprise me going up against a running back defense as good as the Saints, being the second hardest hardest for an RB to go against. Another guy who 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 busted is Drew Brees. Projected out of 16 fantasy points, he, he only got 8.14 fantasy points. He had no touchdown, and believe it or not, Taysom Hill even had more fantasy points than he did. Since I love naming MVPs, I'm going to go ahead right now and, and name this game's MVP. I like it a lot more when it's a hard decision, like it was last week, where I had to choose between players like Herbert, Mariota, and Waller. Even though I want to give it to Thielen, a player... A player can't have six touchdowns without being named MVP. So, of course, the game's MVP is Alvin Kamara. Now, let's take a look at my favorite matchups for each main position. So here, I look at uh, players that have easy matchups, and I see which ones I think can beat their projections. So for quarterbacks, there is Patrick Mahomes, going against the Atlanta Falcons, the easiest quarterback defense. And the other guy who I have this week uh, Aaron Rodgers going against the Titans, and not just because of the matchup. Uh, the Titans, I think, they, um, yeah, the Titans are the sixth the easiest QB defense, but not just because of that, but also because uh, the Titans may be in the lead, which could pressure Aaron Rodgers to throw the ball, not hand the ball off to Aaron Jones to run the ball, because they don't need, they need tempo. They're down 30-0, and there's four minutes left. They're not going to be handing the ball off the run time. No, they're going to be passing the ball. Uh, for running back, I got uh, David Montgomery. Uh, he's doing really good lately. Um, so David Montgomery, he's one guy who I like. Uh, going against the Jacksonville Jaguars, the third to easiest running back defense. And the other guy, D.H. or Derrick Henry going against the Green Bay Packers. Um, if they are in the lead, like I said in their example, then they might hand the ball off. If not, that could be a problem. But um, they're going up against the fifth to easiest running back defense, as I said before, in the Packers. Uh, for wide receivers, um, as some of you guys might know, well, if I have if I have uh, Patrick Mahomes, I probably have my guy, Tyreek Hill. He is questionable right now, but Tyreek Hill going to Atlanta Falcons, second easiest wide receiver defense. Love him this week. And also, Devontae Adams going against the Titans, putting his projection so high, I think 24 and a half fantasy points, I think. So I'm gonna go with Mike Evans again, going against the Lions. Uh, the Lions are, if you look there, the Lions are surprised. It seems like they have a bad running back defense, but also they're the fourth, the easiest wide receiver defense. So I love Mike Evans this week, and of course I could also go with Chris Gollum, but Mike Evans especially. And just so you guys, if you guys are interested, uh, the Titans are the third, the easiest wide receiver defense. If you're thinking about Devontae Adams, but his production is so high. Uh, for defense. Uh, and even though the Jets won, I'm still targeting them for my defense. I traded them in the way this week. Uh, we don't need to get, but I got DeAndre Swift, so you can't say boo, Evan, boo. But uh, I got Browns defense going against the Jets. Easiest defense, even though they pulled away with a dub against the Rams. Still, um, I'd be targeting the Jets, and here we have the Browns. So, again, for defenders, I have the Browns. So, so we can go through all this right now. Let's go. Quarterback, Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. For wide for running backs, David Montgomery and Derrick Henry. Wide receivers, Tyree Kill and Devontae Adams, but since his production so high, Mike Evans. And for defense, the Browns defense. Now, as I promised on Monday, I said we'd be getting into basketball, NBA basketball, so here we are. 
for this for right here, we're not gonna talk about fantasy basketball. I don't know much, although I am in a fantasy basketball league. So you guys might be wondering, well, Evan, if you don't know about fantasy basketball, why are you gonna leave? Well, here's my answer. It's a short story, and then we can move on. So when I hear the word mock draft, I feel like fake. So I just draft the best players that I know. Well, it turns out the mock draft was actually a real draft. So now I'm stuck in this NBA basketball league and I have no idea what I'm doing. My team, I just had an auto pick the whole time. And I, I'm still trying to figure out what my team is. And so I'm stuck in the NBA basketball league. That's beside the point. So here, I'm going to make playoff predictions. So here we go. It's hard to make exact predictions for the playoffs, but I'm going to try, okay? I'm, I'll try. Uh, I will probably not get any of the rankings correct, but I think I'll be able to get the champion right. I made this prediction on December 24th, and I, and I still stand by it to, to this day. I thought that the team that really impressed me the most was the Celtics. John Brown put on a show, and so did Tatum, with his banking three-pointer to win him. Also, the Pelicans impressed me with both Ingram and Zion Williams having great games. So let's go through the top eight teams I think will make the playoffs, or 16 overall. Let's start with the Eastern Conference. For the eighth seed, I have the Raptors, and for the seventh, I have the Hawks. And yes, the Hawks. Trey Young impressed me on his team on his team's season opener, and I can see them making the playoffs. For the sixth seed, I have the Heat. I would I would have them higher, but they did not have a good opener. For the five seed, I have the Pacers. On their opener, three players scored more than twenty points, which is pretty good for an opening game. I have the four seed being the Nets. Kyrie and KD or Kevin Durant both had great openers, and I can see them being on top on top on the top half of their division, meaning seeds one through four. As a three seed, I have the 76ers, a team that I have liked ever since they stopped tanking when they got Ben Simmons. So no, tanking means like losing on purpose to get a good draft pick. As a two seed, I have the Celtics, one of my favorite NBA teams now that they have Peyton Pritchard out of Oregon. Shout out to Peyton Pritchard. And for the one seed, I have the Bucks. Even though they lost to their opener to the Celtics, the Bucks played incredible, having three players with 25-plus fantasy points and four players with 15-plus fantasy points. Or not fantasy points, pardon me. Just points, just overall like points. To make this go quicker in the Western Conference, I'll just say the teams and not say why. I have the Jazz as the 8th seed, the Blazers as the 7th seed, the Pelicans as the 6th seed, the Suns as the 5th seed, the Mavericks as the 4th seed, the Nuggets as the 3th seed, the Clippers as the 2th seed, and as the 1th seed, I have the Lakers. So now let's get into the good stuff, meaning I predict who will win those playoff series. Let's start with the Eastern Conference. For the Bucks versus Raptors, I have the Bucks barely winning, but moving on while the Raptors are eliminated. For the Nets versus the Pacers series, I have the Nets winning, but barely, going to six or seven games. For the 76ers versus Heat, I have the 76ers crushing them in either a sweep or in five games. And lastly, for the Celtics versus the Hawks, I have the Celtics winning, and winning by a lot, losing the first game and then winning the rest. So now we have the Bucks versus the Nets and the 76ers versus the Celtics. I have the Bucks sweeping the Nets, beating them 4-0. I then have the Celtics pulling away with the win against the 76ers in the 6-7 game series. So, in the Eastern Conference Finals, I have the Bucks versus the Celtics. I see that series going back and forth, but I see the Celtics pulling up an upset against the Bucks. the two-seed moving on to the Finals. In the Western Conference, I have the Lakers dominating the Jazz. Then I have the Mavericks pulling up with a win against the Suns. I have the Pelicans with a, sec- with a second-year player, Zion Williamson, losing to the Nuggets. Only because Jamal Murray always had the postseason run. Even though I have Damian Lillard having clutch playoff performances, I have Kawhi Leonard and the rest of the Clippers barely taking down the 17 Blazers in a 6-7 game series. Now, the matchups are the Lakers versus the Mavs and the Nuggets versus the Clippers. 
A lot of people could disagree with me on this. I have the Mavericks upsetting the defending champions, one seed, Lakers. Woohoo! With Luka Doncic having a clutch performance, a clutch playoff run. And the other game, I have the I have the Clippers coming on top against the Nuggets with both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George having clubs games while Nikola Jokic struggles. Jamal Moore, of course, will have a good game, but you need both players to be able to be that top playoff team. So, in the Western Conference Finals, it is the four-seed Mavericks taking on the two-seed Clippers. I have the Mavericks upsetting the Clippers in another 6-7 to seven game series, with Luka Doncic continuing his playoff run. So, in the NBA Championship, I have the four-seed Mavericks taking on the two-seed Celtics. I have Jason Tatum continuing a playoff run, while Jayon Brown keeps up putting points like he did in the opener, and enough for them to be the champions. The Celtics keep taking it all in five to six games. As I said in the intro, I'll be talking about who I think will win the college playoffs for football. I'll also say in the intro, the end of my prediction might surprise you. The most popular answer is that one seed Alabama takes down two seed Clemson in the finals, meaning that Alabama would beat Notre Dame and Clemson would be Ohio State. But my prediction, and probably the most wild of my podcasting career, is that Ohio State beats Alabama in the finals. Yes, Ohio State. Yes, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yes, the team that took down Oregon, Oregon and Marcus Mariota a few years ago. Yes, Ohio State. There are several reasons why. Last year, Ohio State played Clemson, and they lost 29-23 to after having a 10-point lead in the first quarter. Justin Fields threw two picks that game, or interceptions, that cost him. He will want revenge. Normally, when they want revenge, they win. For example, in, 27, in the 2017-2018 college football semifinals, four-seed Alabama upset one-seed Clemson by crushing them 24-6. One year later in the finals, two-seed Clemson upsets one-seed Alabama by crushing them 44-16, all for revenge. Another reason why Ohio State will win, because whenever they can't get their throwing game going, the running back shine, or vice versa. In their first game versus Nebraska, the leading rusher or the leading running back rusher only had 48 rushing yards. But no need to worry because Fields had 276 yards passing, along with 54 yards running, with three total touchdowns, one being a rushing touchdown. If you fast forward to the last game versus my beloved Northwestern Wildcats, Field only had 114 yards passing and zero touchdown, along with two interceptions. But no need to worry because Trey Sermon, the running back, had 331 yards rushing along on two touchdowns, averaging 11.4 yards per run, which broke both Eddie George and Ezekiel Elliott's rushing records for an Ohio State running back. You can't stop them because they always have either their pass or run game going. They average 42.5 points per game. Clemson has had two one-possession games while Ohio State has only had one. I think Ohio State will crush Alabama in the finals. But at one point, they will be down, but they will end up beating them. It is time for the hurricane round. So let's get started with Siri New York. Siri. Hello, Evan. Should I start CeeDee Lamb or Cooper Cup this week in a PPR league? Thanks. Here's the thing about CeeDee Lamb. The only reason why he had a good game was because of his touchdown at the end of the game at the last second where and well, they did an onside kick and they ran in for a touchdown. That was about 50 to 60% of his points. Both, both of the players are inconsistent, 
But Cup is playing against the Seahawks, so I'll go with Cooper Cup. So I would start Cooper Cup this week. Now let's go to Siri in, uh, wow, Siri, Mexico. Debería iniciar Mike Evans o Chris Godwin. Gracias. Every week this happens. Can you please repeat this in English? Of course. Should you start Mike Evans or Chris Godwin this week in a PPR league? Thanks. It's actually interesting. I'm actually saying I have to do this exact same thing. And I guess we can hear what I'll do and what you might do. I would go with Mike Evans. Last week he proved that he does not he doesn't need a touchdown to have a great game. That's what I also said last week. In the past five games, he'd gotten fifteen plus points in four of those five games, while Godwin or in four of those five games, while Godwin has has only gotten fifteen plus points in three of the past five. Both of those non fifteen plus games happening in the past in the past few weeks, in the past two weeks. Godwin is more consistent, but I like Evans more this week. Uh, now let's go to Siri in. Oh, wow. Right here again. Siri. Thanks for taking my call, Evan. David Montgomery or James Robinson this week in a PPR league? Thanks. Um, well, in the past three weeks, Montgomery's hat has gotten five touchdowns, while Robinson has only had one. Also, even if Robinson does play, he won't, he won't be 100%, because right now he's listed as questionable. Montgomery is going against the 30 easiest running back defense in the Jacksonville Jaguars, while Robinson is going up against the 8th, the hardest running back defense, or the 25th, the easiest running back D in the Bears. Start Montgomery if you can. Start him next week as well, going into the Packers, but that one definitely is harder. Uh, let's go to Siri in Washington. Siri. Booyah, Evan. Thanks for taking my call. Which two of these three players should I start this week in a non-PPR league? The players are Devontae Adams, Stephon Diggs, and Tyreek Hill. If you are wondering how I got these players, it is because I am in a four-person league. Thank you. Well, in our experience, it's not for um, a non-PPR league. Um... Wow, great roster. Explain. Thank you for answering my question because I was about to ask you how you got those players. Well, um, that's hard. Um, well, here's the thing. We well, for starters, we have to assume that Tyree Kill is playing. Um, is playing because that's no he's listed as questionable with a hamstring injury. Um, if it was PPR, I would like digs a lot more. But in the past five weeks, the catches have been forty or the catches have been 43.6% of his points, meaning not including PPR, he don't he only have 56.4 fantasy points, or percent of his fantasy points that he did right now. Meaning, so a lot of his performance is coming from the PPR part. Um, while Adam's only 33.2% of his points, for, uh, his points are from catches, and for Hill, it was 27.2% of fantasy points, which I found interesting. So, Steph, a lot of Steph on almost half of Steph on Diggs points are from catches, while for Adams it's about a third, and for Hill it's about a quarter. Um, also, Hill's going against the second easiest wide receiver defense, as I said before, in the Falcons, while Adams going against 30 easiest wide receiver defense in the Titans, and Diggs is going up against the third hardest wide receiver defense, or the 30th easiest wide receiver defense in the Patriots. So, I would go with Hill and Adam Rubs. Finish it off with Siri in Italy. Siri. DK Pamit Calfor Stefan Dix in a PPR league this week. Thanks. Yeah, DK Mecca versus Stefan Dix. Well, I don't know why, but we have two Stefan Dix back to back. It's okay. 
Both of them are playing against hard opponents. I can, t- I can tell you that. Things against the third are hardest in the Patriots, and Metcalf against the hardest in the Rams. So I'll go with Diggs. The first is reason is because of the matchup, and the second reason is because in the past five games, Diggs has averaged 22.02 fantasy points, while Metcalf has only averaged 16.34. So I would go with Stefan Diggs. And that's the conclusion of the Hurricane Round! Now, I'm going to go through my stock and player of the week. For those that weren't there for our first episode, the stock and player of the week is where I go through one stock and one player that can make you some money or lead you to a fantasy championship. For now, the stock of the week will, will, will be a stock and the player will be a fantasy football player. But the player could change the future, meaning in a few weeks it could be a basketball player. For my stock of the week, I'm going to go with Carvana, ticker CVNA. I talked about it earlier today, and now I'm going to, hi- going to highlight why. Due to, due to the pandemic, most people aren't going into dealerships to buy cars, but are going online to do so. The company said they sold 172,000 cars through the first nine months of 2020, up 35% for the same period as the last year. They've increased their margin for each car sold from 1,000 to 4,000. That means that it has quadrupled. For my player of the week, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna have to go with David Montgomery, a guy who I said good things about earlier in the show. Since his bye week, which took place in week 11, he has averaged 26.52 fantasy points per game. What when in the other nine games he averaged 12.26 fantasy points. Also, since his bye week, he has averaged 108.5 rushing yards per game, while in the other nine games, he averaged 52.44 rushing rushing yards. So, the two most important stats for running back have been trending upward since his bye, which is a good fantasy value for the championship finally here. Also, his schedule is looking nice. His next two matchups are against the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Green Bay Packers. The Jaguars are the 30 easiest running back defense, while the Packers are the 50 easiest running back defense. As I said about Derrick Henry last week, come on, this player will be unstoppable. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. All opinions expressed by Evan Goldstein are his and you should not treat any opinion expressed by him as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. Past performance is not indicative of future results. He doesn't guarantee any specific outcome.